By the time they rolled through Oak Square, streams of people were bubbling out of various bars and into the street. Charlestown had been city champs three years running, and a heavy favorite to make it four. No one gave Brighton a chance. They circled Tar Park, Teddy laying on the horn, then pulled into the grill's parking lot as Kevin's coach, Jimmy Fitz, blessed the car and beer. Kids piled out. Fitz grabbed Kevin by the back of the neck and raked his face with a bristle of beard. What I tell you, what I tell you. Fitz let Kevin go and began to dance a jig in the gutter. Kevin tried to explain they still had one more game to play, but his coach wasn't having it. Someone yelled Fitz's name, and he wandered off, stopping once to tip his head back, spread his arms wide, and howl a toothless howl at a starless sky. Then Kevin was alone again. He picked his way through the crowd clogging the street, taking all the hugs and pats on the back in stride, until he'd broken free. In the middle of Oak Square was a traffic rotary with a spit of grass surrounded by park benches. Everyone in Brighton called it the Circle. Bobby Scales sat on one of the benches watching the festivities and drinking a Brigham's frap. You won? Yeah, Kevin sat down beside him. How'd you do? Two for three, single and a double. Who do you play next? City Championship against Dorchester. I think it's downtown, at the Boston Common or something. Bobby finished his frap and threw the cup in a barrel. I played there. Nice field, no rocks, real grass. They got a PA system. No kidding. Sure, they announced the name of every hitter. Bobby was the best baseball player Brighton had ever seen. Kevin remembered standing behind the backstop one night as he hit three over the right field fence and into Friendly's parking lot. Brighton lost to Medford 6-5, but all anyone talked about afterward was Bobby in the sweet left-handed stroke. Dot's always tough, Bobby said. Lot of hockey players. Kevin shrugged like he didn't give a fuck, which was a lie. Bobby studied him. You want to grab a slice? Kevin said. They walked across Washington Street to Imperial Pizza. The owner, a small, neat Italian everyone called Joe, sat at a table folding delivery boxes and reading a soccer magazine. You in? Joe said. Kevin nodded. Good boy, slice? Bobby held up two fingers. They ate sitting on the curb, hot tomato and cheese, Crisp slices of pepperoni sitting in puddles of grease, pillow soft crust. Kevin noticed for the first time that his pants were ripped and stained with blood. He peeled back his uniform at the knee and cleaned out the rocks and dirt as best he could. You working tomorrow? Bobby said. Kevin worked weekends at his grandmother's cab office. Bobby lived in a spare room above the office. He'd gone through a string of foster homes growing up finally landing in a house run by some priests in Cambridge when he was thirteen. Then Kevin's grandmother took him in. Kevin remembered the day she came home with Bobby. She swore up and down she'd never go to Mass again, then stayed up all night with Kevin's mom whispering over cigarettes and tea and saying decades of the rosary. When he was sixteen, Bobby quit high school. He wasn't dumb, far from it but he'd decided that was how it was going to be and started driving cabs the next day. I was going to go in about nine, Kevin said. Come in at seven. We'll go behind the Jeff, get you a little time behind the wheel. I don't even have my permit. Fuck it. 
We ain't going nowhere except around an empty lot. Besides, your grandmother won't mind. Bobby slapped Kevin on the brim of his hat. Congrats on the game. Now go kick the shit out of Dot. Kevin watched Bobby walk back to the circle and take the same seat on the same bench. He stretched his legs out in front of him and draped his arms along the back, content to survey the world as it spun past. Kevin mimicked the pose, leaning back on the pavement with his elbows and letting his sneakers trail into the gutter. A car hit the circle and slowed. A kid stuck his head out the rear window, but Bobby waved them on. Across the square, Teddy Boyle was standing on the hood of his car, singing a song Kevin couldn't hear while someone pounded the horn. Tomorrow they'd climb out of their three-deckers and head to the job, punching tickets on the tee, banging nails into drywall for some rich lady's house in Newton, fixing carburetors and flat tires in Alston. Drinking a